The Other Germany, The GDR, Conversations with Margot Honecker, by Louis Corbelon. Chapter 4. Social Achievements I am convinced, Margot, that not a few people only saw and appreciated the successes of socialism in the economic field in circumstances that were much more than that. Yes, it was much more than that. For the first time in German history, a just and humane social order was erected. Even if we sum up all the errors and weaknesses of our policy, nothing changes the fact that in one part of Germany, the people, by taking power away from monopoly capital, worked free from exploitation for their own well-being, and fundamental human rights were practiced there. In the GDR, the right to work was a reality. There was no unemployment, no homeless people, no speculation about land, no usury with rents. Everything produced by socially owned industries served the common good. In this way, it was possible to guarantee social security and fair wages, equal pay for equal work for men and women. They had their working hours shortened, which were from Monday to Friday for all workers, keeping them the same wages. Concern for the family and especially for children, decent housing and rents with fair prices, health, culture and education, nursery rooms and kindergartens, retirement for the elderly. All this was a reality, thanks to the resources that eventually flowed from social property, from the profits of industries. What you said shows how in the GDR, the needs of the people were met and social inequalities were brought to an end, thereby making freedom and human rights tangible realities. That goes without saying. I am convinced that what is being suggested to humanity today in the name of freedom and democracy is a great deception. Real freedom and democracy are only possible if the interests of the majority of the population are taken into account. Social inequality is brought to an end and moved in the direction of socialism. It would be foolish to look down on the achievements of bourgeois democracy, which are also the product of the struggle of the working class and the people. And today, when those conquests are in danger, we must defend them, and it is upon us to expand them everywhere in the interests of all. But a real democracy is definitely not possible without socialism, and socialism does not work without the cooperation of all. Today there is a chatter about the deficit of social democracy, ready to discredit socialism. However, it would be foolish to deny that there had been no flaws or mistakes in our democratic development. There were also processes that should be taken into account in the analysis. We had a broad and multifaceted system of democratic institutions. In addition to the people's participation in decisions through voting, there were commissions to monitor resolutions at all levels and, above all, we had democracy in the factories, where the workers gave their opinion and decided on the issues of the production, on the organization of work and living and working conditions. The mistakes and failures were that often the decisions discussed and the proposals that were made were not implemented, and the more difficult the problems that were created left, so to speak, to be solved from above. 
many citizens of the GDR who after 1990 only wanted to compare their experiences with the democracy of West Germany and criticizing socialism. We did a lot with our mouths, but we did not transform anything. The same people who took this view must now note that simple democratic rights, such as the right to work and education, have disappeared. As long as there is private ownership over the means of production and appropriation by a minority of the value created by the majority, and as long as political power is concentrated in their hands, democracy will be chained. This is a subject of the utmost importance, about which not everything is clear to most people and therefore the subject of debate. The category of democracy cannot be taken away from its essence, and that is precisely what the current debates are about. I think that if you're going to debate about the merits and the wrong developments in socialism, if you're going to analyze what socialism achieved or did not achieve in order to draw conclusions for the future, you should not forget that with the transformation of the relations of production, it was possible only in the GDR that people in the GDR could live without exploitation, in peace, and in social security. The GDR was peace, anti-fascism, and social security for the citizens. This was a historic achievement that will endure in the minds of millions of Germans. I am sure that all future models that do not include the question of property are doomed to failure, such as those which, by means of a third way, by means of a capitalism with a certain cosmetic beauty, seek to solve the fundamental problems of humanity. Let us then return to the concrete changes made in your country in terms of living and working conditions. Living and working conditions could obviously be gradually improved, depending on achievements in production, agriculture, education, and vocational training in relation to advances in science, and in particular, in the productivity of work. At the beginning of the 70s, the unity of social and economic policy that is what that policy was called, was continued with great consequence. The population had left behind hard and difficult years of reconstruction. Living conditions had changed, and the requirements in the field of material and spiritual rights grew enormously. People wanted and should perceive much more in their personal lives than they had to the degree at that stage of socialism. The Real Improvement of Living Conditions I know that a broad social policy program was also launched at the beginning of the 70s to improve the living conditions of the population. Yes, at the heart of our policy were the idea and the efforts for greater labor productivity as a condition for realizing the socio-political program of which you speak. And under the program, between the years 1971 to 1975, the salaries of more than half of the workers were raised. The living conditions of the family were improved, especially for working mothers. They were first shortened in their working hours, which were five days a week for all workers, keeping them the same wages. State birth subsidies were raised. Young couples received interest-free loans. The minimum holidays for workers were extended, and more resources were allocated to the recreation and rest system. To alleviate the work, especially heavy work, for example that of foundries, metallurgical companies, and other branches, 
the sites were reorganized. In accordance with the Youth Act, extensive resources were allocated to young students and apprentices. Healthcare was improved through the construction of polyclinics in all population sectors and in enterprises. Increasingly, resources were allocated for education and culture. The reconstruction of historical monuments in Berlin, Leipzig, and Dresden was promoted. Were these measures necessary because there was a deficit in those areas in relation to people's lives? With all these measures, an immense number of proposals made by trade unions, women, and young people became a reality. This policy benefited all sectors of workers, the majority of families, and resulted in a greater increase in industrial and agricultural production and greater initiatives in science and culture. Despite the progress made in the various fields, there were also things that were not achieved and sometimes setbacks. I remember very well the social political program approved by the 8th Party Congress held in 1971, focused primarily on the construction of housing. The housing construction program spanned more than a decade and a half until 1989. For the family, for a satisfactory family life, for a healthy growth of the children, a good home is a basic condition. In the constitution of the GDR, the family was declared a fundamental pillar of society and the state's obligation to achieve conditions for family welfare, including good housing conditions. When the housing construction program was launched, we started from the fact that the solution to housing problems was far below the standard of living already achieved at the beginning of the 70s. The severe housing crisis caused by the war was far exceeded, but people's expectations of living well and better had grown. The high level of education and culture was also demonstrated in the pretensions for housing and in a housing culture. We still had housing conditions inherited from capitalism, with a high percentage of houses without the indispensable sanitary facilities in the city and the countryside. The housing problem became one of the most urgent issues. This was one of the largest investment programs that was put in place for the achievement of a modern construction industry. Between 1971 and 1988 were built or modernized 2,800,000 homes. Housing conditions improved for one in two citizens. In the meantime, we were building in a modern way, as in the whole world, with industrially prefabricated parts. It wasn't always beautiful architecture. We didn't always manage to restore centuries-old city centers. But we were able to satisfy a fundamental need of the people, and the gravel-colored building panels housed good, healthy homes. It's clear that a housing construction program of such magnitude required a large investment. How did they finance it? From 1971 to 1987, 10% of the national income produced in that period was allocated to housing construction. Even the corresponding cultural and social facilities, such as schools, kindergartens, ambulatory, polyclinics, supermarkets, and neighborhood rest facilities, were predominantly financed by the state. 
Constructions financed jointly with cooperatives and companies were also made. And what was the value of the leases that, in my country, for example, cost an eye of the face? Rents remained low and stable, not covering more than 2 to 8% of household income. The Civil Code of the GDR guaranteed the rights and protection of tenants. 60% of the dwellings were intended preferably for families with many children. No one could be thrown out into the street. This program which you speak was certainly carried out with great effort, since the GDR was not one of the richest countries. The social-political program naturally and constantly demanded greater achievements in the grass liberal economy, which could only be achieved by means of intensification of production through the incorporation of modern techniques. Great efforts were made in that direction, but it was becoming increasingly difficult to incorporate the necessary means. First of all, many more resources had to be incorporated into the productive areas of the most decisive industrial complexes. Certainly, the socialist economy remained integrated into the world economy and was not independent of it. At the end of the 70s and beginning of the 80s, the question of whether we could continue our socio-political course became very hot because of the changing and difficult situation of the economy, both internal and external. The decision proved difficult under these conditions. Was it decided to continue in the same direction? It is no secret that there were differences of opinion on this. There was a well-rounded optimism that with such a policy, it was possible to solve increasingly complicated problems, as had been demonstrated in recent years, when people could afford some satisfaction through their work. It was, then, feasible to solve difficult tasks with great ideas and a lot of effort. But above all, it had to be considered that any failure to comply with socio-political achievements would have its effects on every family. There was also concern for the political stability of the GDR. Social discontents were not uncommon and were triggers of instability in our country and in neighboring friendly states. More than in any other socialist country, we had to take this relationship into account. On our doorstep, we had the most developed capitalist country in Europe. The bright display cases had their effect, but the unemployed, the homeless, and the increasing unemployment figures were not seen by the majority of our citizens. On the other hand, the social conquests that characterized the socialist countries also influenced the West. Yes, that also had to be taken into account and analyzed. Our achievements played an important role for Western trade unions in their fight for more rights for working people. It was precisely in those years that the struggle there was for the maintenance of social rights and against the danger of their disappearance. All of this had to be considered, and should be borne in mind that our policy, designed for the well-being of the people, generated new expectations in the different areas of life. The consumerist zeal was also growing in us. Some who were responsible for this policy, and others who were observers from outside, say today that we should not have continued with it. In truth, 
there were also a number of economic cadres who put forward proposals to change this course. What we needed to change and correct was the issue that needed to be addressed at a party congress scheduled for late 1990s, probably too late. As to what decisions would have been taken there, we can only speculate today. It was a hellish circle that we couldn't get out of. Greater economic growth was required in the productive branches, but this required investment. Labor productivity was not achieved despite the gigantic efforts of the workers and the intelligentsia. Closely linked to this, the raw materials supplied by small factories made the final production process more expensive. The question remained of how to ensure higher output growth, of how to intensify production without cutting social spending. On women and men having equal rights, you've already referred to some very interesting things about the family. Tell us more about women. Did women and men have equal rights in the GDR? The socialist law of the family enshrined the equality of both members of the marriage. According to the Constitution, as early as 1949, all laws and provisions that were contrary to equal rights were repealed. The family code adopted by the People's House provided, inter alia, that men and women had equal rights over matrimonial property, regardless of the amount of personal income. Both were responsible for the sustenance of minor children and adults who were not economically independent. Both spouses were obliged to exercise their part in the conduct of domestic chores. The state and society increasingly assumed the material expenses of the children. The care of the children in the nursery rooms, gardens, and schools was in the hands of professionals with very good training. The children were very well fed in these establishments. Therefore, parents had to cancel very low contributions. Comprehensive care was free, such as education in schools, universities, and throughout vocational training. Students received a basic monthly stipend. If they had children, they received a raise for it, and apprentices a monthly remuneration. Women's political, social, and state rights were guaranteed, as established in the Family Code, the Civil Code, and the Labor Code of 1977. And were women actively involved in social affairs? In the House of the People, the women's organization, the Women's Democratic Union of Germany, was represented with its own caucus. Women actively influenced trade unions, where they assumed a huge responsibility for representing the interests of working women. Thus, through the women's committees, Elected by women, they influenced trade union leaders in industries, vocational education, specialization, and the improvement of living and working conditions. They were concerned about the interests of the working mother with children and exercised their rights in the control of the provisions of the labor code. For example, industries were obliged to promote women in their vocational training. By the end of 1984, 80.30% of working women in the GDR had a full professional qualification. 57% of women were skilled workers, and 21.9% had a higher professional qualification. In 1950, 
only almost half of women of working age are in work, in 1989, that percentage was about 95%. How did they manage to perform their daily tasks? Because in our country, women are still busy with their traditional roles, even when they work, taking into account that they receive a lot less than men for equal work. What was done about this? The right to equal pay for equal work was a reality and was guaranteed by the Constitution. Before 1946, women earned up to 40% less than men in their wages and salaries. In order for women to be able to reconcile their work activity with motherhood, they had many benefits. Since women are the ones who give birth to children and therefore need a lot of support, especially at the time of pregnancy, did they enjoy special benefits in this respect? In addition to the postnatal, each mother had the right not to attend her work until the end of the first year of the child's life. During that time and after the birth of the second child, starting in 1976, women received maternal support in the amount corresponding to 60% of their average net salary. From the beginning of the pregnancy until the end of the newly appointed right to exemption from work, the woman could not be dismissed and the company was obliged to re-employ her at the end of that period. The pre- and postnatal period spanned 26 weeks. During this period, working mothers received a material benefit from Social Security in the amount corresponding to the average net wage. It should also be known that every citizen was granted the protection of insurance and that medical care, stay in hospitals, use of the cure treatment service, as well as prescribed medicines were free of charge. And what was the situation of women who wanted to postpone their motherhood, or simply did not want to have children? Women did want children. These children were, so to speak, desired children, because women and men could freely decide to fulfill their desire to have children. Women enjoyed the right to decide on their own responsibility as to when and how many children were desired. Article N2218 of the Civil Code, which placed the termination of pregnancy under penalty, was repealed in the GDR in 1972. And after that, were fewer children born? No. After the decree repealing Article 218, births increased and the mortality figures for mothers and newborns decreased. An interruption of pregnancy was only possible by one's own wish in the course of the first 12 weeks of gestation and in the interest of health could only be performed in hospitals and clinics. The costs were borne by Social Security. In addition, there was an extensive network of counseling offices for pregnant women, medical, legal, and social support for women. Almost without exception, women brought their children into the world in clinics and hospitals. Almost 50% of women of childbearing age had access to contraceptive methods to prevent pregnancy under medical supervision. Was sex education provided in the GDR? Naturally. In school and in the framework of classes, especially in biology, scientific information was provided in this regard. The health system also participated in this information. There was marriage, family, and sexual counseling 
run by medical personnel. Psychologists and lawyers worked there. They did it on a voluntary basis. They also gave help and advice when there were problems of marriage cohabitation. Were there a lot of divorces? There was an increase in divorces. According to statistics in 1989, about 140,000 marriages were contracted and there were 50,000 divorces. The high educational level of women, and above all, their economic independence and high awareness, naturally created new demands on relationships. For a marriage that had lost its meaning for both man and woman, there were no material or legal reasons to continue to maintain it. There was no discriminatory legal or social basis for divorced women or single mothers. All of this was naturally a huge process of re-education for women, but also for men. Yes, sure. There had to be thrown overboard old customs and comforts that came from the past. We must add that despite all the benefits, it was not easy for women to put everything under one hat. The normal working day was very long for those women who had a greater task at home, so they opted for a shorter working day. In 1988, 27% of working and employed women opted for this system. Of course, they could resume their full-time work whenever they wished. As you know, our structure still left a lot to be desired. Service benefits, despite all their improvements, were not yet at the level necessary to alleviate the domestic work of all women. Although men helped in household work, the greatest burden still fell on women. There were supply problems in the trade. Getting what was needed and desired involved more than a little anger and waiting time. To buy some things, you had to go through many places or make long lines. This brought frustration. Today, there are more service centers, big stores, but only the one who has plenty of money can buy how much he needs. I know that after the end of the GDR, women's lives regressed profoundly. For the time being, the high unemployment figures in the eastern part express, first and foremost, the unemployment of women. Women who were accustomed to leading an economically independent life, who found approval in their profession, who supported a social position of their own, for the most part did not wish to be solely house owners or only to be destined for communication in the family framework, were confined to the house as in the old days. It should be added that where men suffer unemployment, new ones emerge. Family problems, a new burden for women. While certainly not all women in the East subjectively regard all this as a loss of equality, objectively it is a step backward, a return to an era that we thought was already over. Thank you for listening to this translation from the People's School for Marxist-Leninist Studies. Support us at newoutlookpublishers.net, join us on Discord, follow us on Twitter, and visit peopleschool.org to sign up for free classes.